Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host, I'm David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life, and then I hit record and we synopsize the episode and talk about it and lots of other stuff. My guest this week is Wesley Slade. Wesley's my good friend. Wesley is a super crazy talented singer, actor, improviser, uh, everythinger. It's always fun. We we hang out a lot anyway, but always fun to actually be recording it and capture some of the times we spend together. He was working quite a bit out of town towards the end of last year, so uh, I'm glad I was able to pin him down for both podcast time and friendship time. Together we watched season four, episode 20, Help from Home, and the episode air date was April 6th of 1983. I'm ready to jump on in and get right to it. Let's face the facts with Wesley Slade. Welcome back, Wesley Slade. What up? <laughs> this wow. is my radio voice. Is, is it really? No. I thought to say you're sounding very chill or medicated, one of no, the two. No. But um I, I don't. <laughs> fun fact for this podcast, I'm on competing medications. Yay. Yeah. I was gonna say, I don't know your life. <laughs> well, actually I do, but we are here in spite of uh best efforts to keep people from interacting and all the we're still on coronavirus mode i guess yeah. in in coronavirus i'm in my mode. own separate bubble right now and david's in his own separate bubble right now i'm wearing an entire body condom yeah uh, i'm wearing we've... just condoms on my fingers <laughs> we've washed our hands profusely before we started recording this and we are uh we are in the situation still right now where uh work is called off and we we hope it's coming back uh, around the 1st of April, but we nice. do not know. Yeah. And it's it's a little scary. Yeah. But let's uh, let's step away from scary things and move on to super to... amazing entertaining things. Yeah, like uh, like other the scary facts things. of life. <laughs> the facts of life season 4 episode 20 called Help from Home. My goodness, that's the name of the... T- okay. Help from home, yeah. Help from home. Yeah. It seemed more like needing help in the home is what it should have been called. <laughs> well, I've been doing more and more business at the beginning of the show, so let me take care of a little bit of the business here. Okay. Original air date, April 6th, 1983. Uh-huh. The production date that it was taped was actually in March of 83, March 8th. And uh, was directed by Mr. Asad Kalada, the one who's directed all the other season four episodes. Okay. Is he known for directing anything else? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? After this, he went on to direct most, if not all, of the Who's the Bosses. <laughs> and, um, and that is actually going to come into play. We're going to be talking about Who's the Boss briefly in just a little bit. That's another show I never really, I never really watched that too much. Yeah, I, I, I knew of it. It would come I, I on did TV a little land. Bit. Yeah, I was to say, it, it did go into reruns and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Jerry Mayer, the writer of this, is one of the OG writers. He's actually, he has a credit developed by. So he was part of the creation of this show. He has producer credits for, I think, starting in season three through a good chunk of it, if not all the way to the end. But yeah, oh. Jerry Mayer is one of the uh, original people involved in the conception of the show well not to get too ahead of myself in any way but um it just seemed like it was directed by someone who was like i just wish this were cat on a hot tin roof <laughs> Really? i just wish this had some just melodramatic just bullshit um but we'll we'll get into that when we get there but i was just you like see, who i directed think, this i mean there's a little bit of melodrama always in these shows yeah it, it didn't feel off-brand to me not I guess, I mean, the the episodes, again, I haven't really watched a whole ton of Facts of Life. I've seen what we've watched, which is like 
one episode from season one and then like the one that we did on the last episode I was on, which I don't remember what season it was. was so, season two. It was, the yeah, baby the, in the house is yeah, what you and, and I did. They were yeah. younger and it was so earlier. Yeah, it was two it was about two years before. And that this. one was very melodramatic with the whole like It was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the was, baby. I forgot. We talked about I'm that. a good mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, I guess it, like it wasn't necessarily off brand, but it was like Really heavy-handed for me in this. Oh, but okay. uh, even mainly due to the like almost every single departing shot would leave like them just staring off into space. They do that in so way. much Man, on the show. The, I the, just never. We've talked about the long fades, you, and you and I talked about it last time too yeah. about the Thornton Wilder. Yeah, our town moments. That's what it where, feels like. Yeah, no, there that happens in this, and it's like Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But this has got, uh, this episode has a lot going on. Yeah. So we have to start the show as we always do. Wesley Slade, actor, uh-huh. singer, uh-huh. improviser, uh-huh. dancer, dear friend. I need you to give me a two sentence synopsis of this episode. On a very special facts of life. Mrs. Garrett only has five seconds, and true. Uh, and Joe might have some trouble at home or at school. Okay. All right. That's how it feels to me. Well, um, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna start the synopsisizing. So we start the show in the cafeteria, and yeah. this cafeteria is full. Like. Yeah. Fucking full. I thought like, the same thing. I was like, that's a lot of people. That's. I think that is among the most number of bodies we have ever seen And in it the looks cafeteria. like a war zone where most of them are crying and some are running out of the room and some are just sobbing at a table and some yeah. are happy. And... The melodrama begins very early because... Oh, man. Um, Tootie enters with Alexandra. That's her name, Alexandra. Or Alex, for short. Yeah. Ugh. So she has she she's never been on the show. She has been on the show. She has been okay. one whole episode where she was introduced as this new prissy princess. Yeah, and we think it was part of the whole. Oh shit! Blair and Joe are graduating soon. Mm. We do we need to start bringing in other girls and rotating them out? Sure. And I think they thought Alexandra might be a good replacement for Blair. Oh man. And and honestly, there is a lot of her she's she's a lot like Lisa Welchel, except she's not as pretty, she's not as talented, she's not as appealing. Yeah. She's not as electric and she's not as fucking awesome. It's like if a piece of bread got wet and you just threw it on the set and just watched <laughs> it. It's like, yeah, and then, yeah, that look she's pretty. It's like, nah. Yeah. She was she was really bad. She's um, yeah, she's not. But like that I great. mean, also, but you can't really blame her too much because for one thing, she's young. And, but for the other thing, really, is it's not well written. No, you know. So like, what is she gonna do? It's um, yeah. And her name is Heather McAdam. She will okay. be on a couple more episodes before they go. Okay, that wasn't a great idea. Okay. And and before they say, okay, we figured out how to make the show stay together uh, without it having to be at the school. That's coming up. In oh right! Next season, where they go to the bakery, right? But um, yeah, Heather McAdam though does go on to a career. She's still working today, and she was on the TV show Sisters okay. in the early two thousands, which was a popular show. I think that was a Seal Awards show. Uh, uh, but anyhow, so now, now she's gone on to uh, her own success, and okay. this was just well, this her. was her on the job training. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when they come in, the, the good thing is that Alex, being this. Italian princess because you know she looks Italian and has that amazing Italian accent yeah she is um that did you hear that that was my eyes rolling yeah if you were wondering what that sound was um but the fact is we do have her as the convenient newbie so what's going on here Tootie Tootie's like oh well this is the time of year that all the seniors get their acceptance and or rejection letters from the colleges to which they've applied and very quickly we meet a girl named Emily Emily's coming back in the next episode or two but she's not a regular character and she is inconsolable yeah and, and mrs this... garrett is like holding her going like oh there there it's okay yes and like, but it's she's like it's upsetting how upset she is and then natalie comes up with her tape recorder her cassette tape recorder yeah with the condenser mic 
And she's like, hey, I'm doing an interview for the paper. So what's it like to be rejected by your dream college? And, <laughs> and Emily's like, ah! and Mrs. Garrett's like, really? <laughs> really? So we really, kind of... bitch. <laughs> so they... Um, they start this. They that's what the the conceit is of under which we're working right now, yeah. and that's why everybody. Because you know when you get your mail, presumably delivered to your dorm, you think I got to go to the cafeteria to open this. You know, <laughs> right. that's that's where you do things like that, right, in front of everyone. So that yes. you know, yeah. So Tootie also explains to Alex that um, they call them the the fat ones, uh, the fat right. letters. I like that. I thought that was kind of funny. The fat, yeah. She's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? She says, well, if you get a fat envelope, that's what's got all the other applications and dorm assignments. If you get a thin envelope, that's usually a rejection letter. And Natalie says, for once, uh, thin is not in. Yeah. Which is nice. Because thin is in was a very 80s phrase. By oh, the way. really? Yeah. That's something I've certainly heard, but... Yeah. So Blair comes in all sad and mopey, and they're like, oh, no, Blair, didn't you get a fat letter? And Blair's like, no... I got three fat letters. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> and um, oh. yeah, Blair is accepted to three colleges. Wellesley, Smith, and Langley. Mm-hmm. Real, real, fictional. So when they say, which of those are you going to go to? And she's like, oh, Langley? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, yeah, right. It's the most awesomest college ever, and it's way better than those other two. And one of my favorite things that she says about it is that, like, and my other friend just couldn't even get in, and that makes it even better. Yes. Like, it's like, oh. You're a bitch, Yeah, Blair. you're a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, Langley is fictional, and it is going to be very important, as we learn, because it will be... Where, for those who know the show, it's where Blair and Joe do go to college. Mm. Um, so then Joe comes in and she's like, well, I'm taking off for home. She's apparently making a weekend trip to home, being home being the Bronx. Right. So as she's going, Blair tells her and Joe's like, oh, good. That's cool. Congratulations. Yeah. And uh, the others come over and say, Joe, you haven't gotten any envelopes? And she's like, nope. Oh. Nada zilch. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Matthew Arter thinks I sound like Bowser from Shana. No, I remember that. Yeah, I heard that. That, that made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> but he's he's not wrong. Yeah, no, he's not. That's why I like. Um, that. so as as Joe is leaving, Mrs. Garrett points to her. You've got something fat back there. No, my favorite thing is that it's like Chicken Lady. It goes, "You've got something fat." back there it goes like she went crazy i wrote it down because i was like that's chicken lady nobody's ever compared but it's so oh she's so chicken like you got a letter (laughs) it's in your pocket you should open it (laughs) oh my god we're talking about the kids in the hall and the character that mark mckinney does and and he did do it a couple of times on snl when he was on snl justin showed me that for the first time justin schneer justin schneer as our phone does tell us yeah Yeah. no we were watching that and i i mean kids in the hall they premiered in like 87 when i was in college like they are my fucking jam yeah i've like i've seen it uh Mainly because of Justin, he showed me more. But I remember when it would come on Comedy Central, and I just wasn't into it when I was a little younger. And... Well, they got worse too. As Comedy Central eventually picked it up, like they were rerunning the HBO shows yeah. that the CBC was also producing. But then Comedy Central eventually ponied up the money, and like the last season or season or two uh-huh. was made exclusively for Comedy Central. But oh. by that point. It had petered out. They had a staff of writers. All... It wasn't just them writing it. It was like it was it was evolving in a corporate show. Yeah, and, <laughs> in a way. And honestly, it 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 caught fire so quickly. It had kind of burned out quickly too. Yeah. And uh, and and this was an HBO show. This was yeah. before everybody had HBO. It's you know. It was before everybody had a login that you could borrow from a friend. Like, right. you had to actually pay for it. I don't know anything about borrowing logins. Nothing. Never. So, yes, chicken lady delivery and everything. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett notices a letter conveniently sticking out of Joe's back pocket mm-hmm. over her shirt, which would normally be covering it, but it had yeah. to be tucked behind it so that she could see it. Contrived. And... <laughs> Well, basically, long story short, it's Joe's fat letter acceptance also to Langley. 
And Mrs. Garrett says, it's terrific. And you even got a partial scholarship. Why didn't you say anything? And Joe says, because I'm not going. And she says, why would you apply? And she says, I just wanted to see if I got in. I got in. Now, moving on. And Mrs. Garrett says, you're playing Pac-Man with my nervous system. Uproarious laughter. Wow. Yeah. Pac-Man was topical, I suppose. It was very very yeah. topical of the time, but we learned that it costs $14,000 a year. Oh, Joe was getting yeah. half of that in scholarship, but she knows that she will not ever be able to afford making up the $7,000. So Mrs. Garrett says, did you discuss it with your mother? And she says, nope, not even going to tell her. And she uh, uh, tears up the letter and leaves. And that's <laughs> our first... Thornton Wilder, Mrs. Garrett, looking outward toward the looking audience. Outward at the, she says, um, are you going to tell your mother about the envelope? And she rips and goes, what envelope? <laughs> like a fucking Godfather line. Like, yeah, they'll never <laughs> see it coming. What fucking envelope, Mrs. Gary? I'm going to make him an author he can't refuse. <laughs> Anyhow, from here we go to, magically we are transported to the Bronx. Yes. We are outside Joe's mother's apartment. And Joe's mother is talking into the door, saying, hey, no, she's on her way up. Everybody, shh, sh- be quiet in there. Um, what did you think of Joe's mother? We've just met her, but as the episode ended, what, what was your overall impression of the character, the actress? Um, I felt that she um seem to uh it, 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 what what what's that actress's name um my goodness she was in noises off the movie she has that... Julie Haggerty yes the one yes. that's a stage manager yes. yeah she reminded me of her in this way that like it's almost like she's just like she's not it's she's docile. shaky and a little yeah not as docile you're right but like just in a, in a way of like just doesn't seem all there to me <laughs> like there's something off like, I kept waiting for them to go, ah, oh, mom and a drinking problem. I kept waiting for something to come up about the mom. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, because she was just, because even then, like, whenever they introduced her and she was just standing in the hallway going, all right, just, just don't be, ah. I was like, what's happening? But you don't and think when realized... she got into the arguments and when she was really putting her foot down, you don't think that she rose to that, to the strength that No, I think she, she did. I think she did. I just think that, uh, again, like, this was, like, first impression of. Yeah. Of it. I was like, oh, what's going to be wrong with Joe's family? What's going to be wrong with it? Yeah. Um, and, but no, like, whenever she, like, certainly got got on, like, yeah, mm-hmm. she did. But at the same time, I, like, and we'll get to it later, but a lot of her points when she was arguing with Joe, I was like, that's not a good point. <laughs> that's not good enough. That's not a good reason. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, you're the mom, you know, like, you do what mom says, but. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point where, um. Uh, Casting-wise, the thing that stands out to me is, and I like her. I like her a lot. The actress's name is Claire Malis, M-A-L-I-S. And uh, this is her first of six appearances throughout the series. But this is the first time we've ever met her. Okay. And um, casting-wise, she seems really nice. Like, you can tell she is a nice person. And that comes through, and her niceness is in the character, and I'm not sure I ever believe Joe's mother could be that nice. I was thinking that about halfway through because I remember looking at it and going, she doesn't sound like the woman who would have raised that kid. Right, right. Joe is so tough as nails. Yeah. Now, the dad, the dad, Alex Rocco, I believe you that. get it. Yeah. But the fact is, and, and they, she was raised by her parents until five years ago when right. she was, what, and- uh 12 or 13. Right. And like both parents aren't going to be the same. No. But, you know, but it is a thing where it's like, you live in the Bronx? Yeah. You seem like you're like a Connecticut mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we had this problem with Natalie's mother when we met her. Natalie's mother always was talked about and you kind of got the sense that she was like, uh, you know, Jewish McYenta mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and the actress who played her, Mitzi Hogue, Mitzi Hogue was... 10 times more white bread than than this actress like right. she's way more uh devoid of ethnicity which is crazy because they still were like really lean into that with uh her character with natalie with, with natalie yeah. yeah but in this case here's the deal 
I'm going to, as I've said many times before, to be critical of something is to love something. Right. And I really love the character of Joe's mom. Mm -hmm. But my slight thing is, for those who haven't seen the episode, I'm going to throw out some names, see if you don't agree. Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. There's a very Mary Steenburgen quality. Yeah, I was thinking about her too. She looks a lot like Toni Collette, doesn't she? I can see that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, in the biopic about this actress's life, Toni Collette would play her. Yeah, sure, um, sure. She sounds, her voice, she sounds a lot like Joanna Gleason. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that that leans into the whole, like what I was saying about like, Connecticut housewife, kind of a, yeah. just like that kind of, what would you call it? What's that region? White bread, just, 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 just white, white bread. bread. Just Not, I mean. Kind of stern. But like, yeah. like a mom, <laughs> you know. But yeah, but but there's a, there's almost a class or an elegance about her. Yeah, she's for you know they talk about how she's a waitress and she's slaving away. Right, she, I don't get that. She does not look weather worn. She doesn't no. look like a woman who has to slave away. She, I'm not sure. I buy that she is a waitress working 13 hour shifts every day you feel like yeah. she'd be more battered down yeah by that. she seems more like a secretary nine to five yeah that's what she seems like and uh, i'm gonna throw out one other name i i wrote those other ones when i pre-watched it when i was just watching it with you another mm-hmm. name popped out both visually and audibly marcia mason okay there's a lot of marcia mason oh, going that's funny. on okay yeah and um so for so, yeah, and for how i criticize the middle-aged uh vaudevillian writers if i'm not showing my age by referencing all those actresses <laughs> that nobody outside of the musical theater world under 40 will know right but um yeah she at the beginning when she's talking in the door saying okay joe's on her way up and things like that there was almost a southern accent and i'm like what yes. the shit she's actually from gary indiana she's midwestern gary indiana gary indiana gary indiana what show is that song from the music man really who recently played the role of marcellus washburn opposite john tartaglia as harold hill in south florida that would be wesley slade he was yeah. he was okay <laughs> he didn't suck it was all right so uh, yeah there are some built-in problems with her and at the beginning, I having not watched these in a long time, I was like, I thought I liked her mom. Why am I having this initial reaction of, ooh, I'm not sure I buy this. But to be honest, as it goes along, she, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's certainly not a problem. Yeah. Oh, and here's the other thing. When I'm talking about ethnicity or the lack thereof, uh-huh. when, when Joe does come in and we get the whole surprise, uh, we have... A surprise party because everybody knows Joe is going to Langley. So her plot to keep it from her family mm-hmm. has been foiled. Yes. And then we meet all these relatives, including her Aunt Evelyn. Uh-huh. And her Aunt Evelyn is played by Rhoda Gemignani. That's a name. Um, R- Rhoda Gemignani. I, I got that from her. I, I believe that. Uh, Rhoda Gemignani is Ellen Travolta breeded with Lainey Kazan. <laughs> As in, uh, for those who don't know her, she the, the only other thing we were talking about who's the boss earlier. Yeah. She plays a character, a recurring just in a few episodes, but returning character of Mrs. Rossini on Who's the Boss, who okay. is a former neighbor of Tony and uh, his uh, the daughter there. Oh. So when... Um, she used to be the neighbor, and she would show up, and then she would be a thorn in Mona's side, Mona being the other mom, and uh, that. But she is such a ster- – she's like what Andrea Martin is in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, yeah, you know, And Lainey Kazan is the mom in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Right. But there's such – uh, there's such an ethnicity. Come here. Oh, you're our first to go to college. Yeah. We're so excited for you. This is the sister of the mother. This is not the father's sister. What, and what's funny to me, though, is that I, I was watching it thinking there's this huge surprise party and a lot of people show up. It's mm-hmm. a big surprise. Not one kid. No. Not one cousin. It's neighbors. It's just neighbors and old yeah. people and middle age. Like the last thing a, ki- a teenager would want is to walk in and have a surprise party about a college she's not going to, but mainly, especially with her parents' friends yeah. and neighbors and just going, oh, hey, 
Thanks a bunch. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Oh, it's, it, it made me upset for her. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ugh. The, the one thing to remember, though, and I, um, I just had to remind myself of this. This is Joe's home. Joe lives there. Right. When she's not at Eastland, this is where she lives during the summertime and all that. So these are people who are... I guess the neighbors would be close to her. Yeah, it's, I guess. A, hou- it's a housing in the Bronx in New York in the 80s. And we all know each other. We're uh, neighbors. Yeah, exactly. And and it's almost like a sitcom or something. Yeah, right. And uh, we, we do have to point out, of the many backdoor pilots that Facts of Life has tried to sell us uh-huh. and failed, this is one where... We are introduced to so many characters and interesting characters. Yeah. Part of me and Jerry May are writing it. That's another hint. You know, it, you, it, it, that was the thing, though, is that like, once we got into the scene and then it kept going and it kept going, I was like, yeah. oh, I see what's happening here. We got we got the, you know. We have the, the, super, the incompetent superintendent. Yeah. And there's a running gag about the door not working. I like that, though. Exactly. I like it too. We have the aunt, the sister of the mother. I liked her. We have this we have this other woman in the um uh in the the very tall mannish woman with the short that was, bleached she, hair. I was about to say that was weird. Uh that, that she lady. was. She but was But no, she was just because like I mean she was a fine actress, but her hair was weird, what they put her in was weird. She, she looked was, like a John Waters character, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> and um, but she would have been but she was interesting. She had funny things to say. She, this actress could deliver a joke. Yeah. And yeah. we had that and a part of me is like as it was going on and really and truly the chemistry between the parents. Oh yeah. They're great together. Yeah, I know they were. They and were. part of me is like as I'm looking at it, I'm sitting going, is they, this another backdoor? They probably fucking. <laughs> oh wait, no. <laughs> no. Jeez. You straight boys. All you think about that is That guy's getting it. <laughs> he's hitting that. <laughs> but as I was looking at it going, so is this another backdoor pilot? But I had to stop and think what would the show be? Right. Like, Part of me. Oh, a dysfunctional. Div- they were divorced, right? Right. Yeah, it would so, be like he has to move back in or something. Yeah, and so well, so he comes in, and when he comes in, it's Charlie. Hey, it's Charlie. Look, mm-hmm. hey, oh, hey, Charlie. Did you get out on parole or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're really setting up. It's Charlie. Alex Rocco is actually a Bostonian. If you listen to his accent. Most people just take it and automatically apply it to New York because he's oh. such an Italian, you know, stereotype I guess I could type see of guy. That. But no, it's actually, if you listen closely, his dialect is a lot of Boston going oh, that's on there. Funny. But, um, oh, the character, the neighbor, Mrs. Waldman. Mrs. Waldman is the one that uh, the superintendent says, hey, Joe, I did the poster. And she's like, he draws like he fixes doorknobs. Yeah. <laughs> and later she says, Joe, I'm so proud of you. I always believed in you, even when you were a bum with that gang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I'm on board yeah. for the backhanded compliments. I love that shit. Um, so, but yeah, very quickly, Joe goes to the mother and says, uh, thank you for this party, but yeah. I'm not going to college. We can't afford it. And she's like, what do you mean? And she says, I don't want you working all these jobs. You've been doing this already with Eastland. And this is where Rose is the name of the mother. Rose oh. says, well, it just so happens that I have $900 in savings. And this is where Wesley went. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just gotten to money talk. Yeah. For the rest of the season. And I know money is so tedious. Who wants to get mixed up with that? Oh my God. But basically, she uh, invested it in a stock. Uh And she says, I gave it to your father because he works for a brokerage firm. Okay. And so she said, and I told him to invest it in this stock. And apparently, she has followed the stock but has never received a statement balance from this brokerage firm telling her what money she has. Because right. in her mind, this company did so well and split and got bought out that her $900 is now valued at $5,000. What? And that, that can happen if it's, you know, like Google or Xerox or Starbucks yeah. or something. But anyway, that's Amazon, fine. Costco. Yeah. But then Charlie shows up, and uh, Charlie is the dad. Alex Rocco is awesome. He has been yeah. on the show before. Uh, as this, as her dad? As her dad. Oh, okay. Oh, 
I'll do you one better. This is his second of 11 appearances on The Facts of Life as Nancy McKeon's dad, and he would go on to play her father in two more TV series. Wow. At her request, because they became very close. Oh, that's really nice. Yep. And um, it was actually a question on Jeopardy. What actress had the same father in three different TV series? Oh, that's funny. the answer was Nancy McKeon, The Facts of Life, the Division, and there's another. There was another show she did called "Can't Hurry Love," that was more of a that classic. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> everyone remembers "Can't Hurry yep. Love." Yep, and he even said in an interview talking about it, he said, "Yeah, so Nancy McKeon's made me a few dollars over the years." <laughs> it's like you go, boy. So with the arrival of Charlie, the dad, the, this this episode deserves some serious writing props because. Unlike many 80s sitcoms, it did refer back to what we already knew about the character and restated or built upon it. Meaning, uh, Evelyn, first thing she says, Oh, Charlie, does your parole officer know you're here? And we, we immediately build this antagonistic relationship between the two of them. But yeah, he was in prison. When we last saw him, was he got out of prison and was visiting Joe. I remember that. He was in prison for stealing typewriters. Later, Rose does say right. directly to him, the last time I trusted you or something, you got in, held up in jail. Well, I would rather uh, just cross my fingers and hope for the best than steal a, a factory full of typewriters. And he says, I didn't steal no typewriters. I just left the door unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. And nobody laughed because they were not wanting a joke at that point. Yeah. Uh, we also there was a few more ti- times where that happened where it got like heavy, and then all of a sudden they're like, then "Here's a joke," and it's like, "No," yeah. and you, that can work. That can have its place, sometimes. but it didn't always work here. Yeah. And the other thing is that when she said, uh, "And I gave it the money to your dad because he works for that stock brokerage firm," I thought, "Oh my God!" He mentioned to Blair that while he was in prison, he was reading up and he was interested in the stock market and right. was thinking of looking at that as a career. For when he got out, I was oh, like, nice. holy shit. Yeah. They like, I mean, they hit all the points that connect it to this episode from two years I before. Like that stuff. And 80s sitcoms are not known for consistency and integrity like they that. They could have literally just been like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. So the party's underway. Yes. And poor Rose gets called away. And she says the the fight is on cable down at the bar. So Sam called and needs his best waitress there. Mm-hmm. So she had to go off and leave the party to go to work. And everyone was just like, oh, that's too bad. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> no, fuck that guy. You got Yeah, come on, out. Yeah. Tell like, him nah, to suck your titties. Gotta Jesus. leave. See ya. The Bronx, that's awfully, they're awfully conciliatory Bronxians. Oh, yes, of course. Joe mentions to the dad, so mom says that she, you know, you invested this money and that's going to be what helps pay for this. And he says, oh, (laughs) that stock tip. Yeah, I didn't buy that stock. Yeah. And she's like, what? And he said, it was something like, what does he call it? Say, Tomatoes Are Us? Yes, that's That's the stock that allegedly did so well. But he's like, no, I put it in a safe money market. And now that $900 is worth $990. Yeah. So um, we don't have no $5,000, and Joe is very disappointed. Yeah. But then we go, so the next scene we go to later that same night, Joe is comforting the mother, so she's gone to work and come home, and uh, she's not as mad as you'd think over this investment going awry. So she says, we're just going to go to plan B. And she says, what's plan B? She's being broke, but I'm going to figure it out. And Joe is like, I can't go now. I'm just not going to go. And then uh, she says, I'm just going to move home. I'm going to get a job. And I'm just going to work. And she's like, seemed happy about it. I'm sure she'd like, like to go to the college. But I think there's also some people who are cool with that. Yeah. And if they get in their mind that that's what they got to do, it's like, well. Yeah. That would that's part of my rewrite. We're we're gonna address that when I do when I give my notes at the end. Mm. Joe says, um, and the mother has a great line. She says, I don't want a roommate, I want a daughter with a future. And it's like, okay. And yeah. then and this is she's doing this angrily while she's taking down the party decorations. And yeah. then Joe says, I'm not going, and that's final. And she rips down the poster that the super put up and looks like she was going to go into the other room. 
Yeah. But she instead just walks over to the doorway. And this is where the Thornton Wilder thing comes and back in. just to frame it. And then they just stop there. And so and she, she just stops. stands in And then in she silence. turns back around and looks off into the corner of the room. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. Uh, it's just not good. Guys, come on. Come on. Case closed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we go on to the next morning. And uh, Rose is in a, a nightgown and she's cooking something on the stove. Joe wakes up. She starts looking at the want ads and Rose is like, no, I don't want you looking for a job. Let's talk more about this. And then knock, knock at the door. It's Charlie. Wait, wait, wait. wait. And, and one of my favorite jokes, she goes, oh, look, Ma, here's an ad for Avon. I'm a shoey. <laughs> and huge laugh because she's a lesbo. No, she's she would never work at the Avon. She could be an Avon lady. Uh, I guess lesbos can be Avon ladies. But lady! I don't know that she would be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Knock, knock, knock. And the dad comes uh, in. Yeah, but it's who is it? It's me, your father. Yeah. Oh, okay. How does he know? Does he recognize Joe's voice versus Rose's voice? Right. That was so weird. That's that were like, who is it? It's me. Oh, it's dad. Yeah. You know? It's me, yeah. But, um, yeah, that is weird. That's sitcom writing for you. Yeah. So he comes in, and it's the same thing. We got to talk about this. And it's just all this talking back and forth. And I'm going to fix everything. And that's what, like, sets them all off. Yeah. Like, and there off. is an interesting dynamic where he says, this is me talking now. You, you can't yeah. mess with me the way you mess with her. And Rose rightfully says, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. And no. this is where they break out into a fight over the prison and the typewriter stuff we talked about earlier. And they Joe... They fight for a while. Huh? They fi- they fight for what feels like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's... It's, it's yeah. It's, it's a minute. Good, but, like, but it ugh. builds to the point where Joe says, stop it. Yeah. I thought I was done with listening to the two of you fight. I'm done. And she leaves. And I have a place to go now. I don't have to. I don't have to be here. So she leaves to go back to Eastland. And the convenient thing earlier of the door getting stuck, she leaves and they can't get out right. to go after her and tell her to stop. And like now we're laughing again. <laughs> and now we're back at Eastland. Yes. Now we go back to the cafeteria. Tootie, Alex, and Natalie are sitting around. Uh, we remember horny Natalie is, is a beauty to behold. <laughs> yeah. Earlier, Blair decided she has to purge her wardrobe to get ready for college. Right. So all the girls were like vultures, like... Fuck, I want some of those cast-offs and hand-me-downs. Yeah. Well, Natalie comes in wearing a cowboy hat. Right. Which we have never, ever seen Blair wear. Sure. And she says, look, I got it from Blair. Now all I need is a cowboy to go with it. Waka ah. waka! It's like Sally from the Dick Van Dyke show. Jesus. Yeah, right. I'm totally not a lesbian. Yeah. No, no. Natalie? No, but that's Sally from oh, the Dick Sally, Van Dyke yeah. show. Yeah. Um, hey, you got a, you got a brother. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Hey, I, I share a birthday with Rosemary. Oh, really? I do. We share a birthday. I love her. I do too. And the documentary on Amazon Prime is magnificent. It is very good. Wait for your laugh. Yes. Yes. Uh, so then Joe comes in and they're like, oh, you're back early. Well, they found the envelope and we now know that Tootie and Natalie know about the Langley thing. And they're like, why are you not going to go? Before we even have a chance to get into all this. Yeah. The parents come in. Charlie. And Rose. And they're like, let's discuss this as a family. So they sit down. They say they want to pool their resources. Well, they also said they, um, when they came in, they went, well, we, it took us a while to get here because uh, Mr. Bonaducci or whatever his name had yeah. to let us out. Yeah, had to let The us guy out. who fixes the door, he had yeah. to let them out. I thought that was kind of funny. Yes. And, um, and she says, I don't want to hear you argue anymore. And he says, no, no, we discussed it calmly on the trip up here. And, uh, and Peekskill is like an hour or so outside of the city. I figured. And yeah. probably longer from one of the boroughs. But yeah. uh, but the deal is they say that they're going to pool their resources. And the mother says, yeah, we had a short discussion about mine because I have nothing. Yeah. And uh, liar, you have $990, bitch. Hand it over. <laughs> right. But then the dad says <laughs> he's now making 195 a week. It's so fascinating when they actually put out amounts like this. Yeah. So, in 1983, how much was $195 a week, Wesley? What do you think that translates to in modern times? Oh, my God. See, when they said that, I was even like, oh. Um, Uh I really have no idea, so I'm just going to, like, throw a dart and try to hit it. $250. Uh, More than double that. Really? I was thinking, like, it wouldn't be good. Yeah. (laughs) 
He's making one ninety five a week, which was four dollars and eighty eight cents an hour, oh. and that was um that was a, that was a good salary because in modern twenty twenty equivalents, that is the same as five hundred and thirteen dollars and forty two cents, which is almost the Gong Show prize money amount five hundred and sixteen dollars and thirty two cents, uh, which is twelve dollars and eighty four cents an hour. So. Wow. A full-time job as a runner? I mean, he's not stock trading and broking. As a runner, that means he's just like a gopher and running things and delivering things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, he's one of the best paid. So, I don't know if that's accurate what a runner made in those days or even if I'm understanding the career properly. But it's twelve eighty four <laughs> an hour. So, if you're making twelve eighty four an hour nowadays, that's good money. That's yeah. not great drop dead oh my god money but he does say our biggest asset is your education and finally the mother rose just says i'm look we couldn't afford eastland either and yet you're graduating in a couple of weeks yeah and she says she says i'm pulling the parent card i don't i don't think she says that but she just says i'm we are your parents and you're going to school and that's final yeah the mom says you're the child, we're the parents, and we're split, and we're uh, taking the bill. Yeah. We're, we're, we're picking up the tab, that's what yeah. she says. Oh, yeah, nice. We're picking up the tab. And, but she, and again, she like kind of lays it like heavy. Kind of in a way, yeah. I was like, oh, that's like Joe. Yeah. You know? True. Very and, Joe. And, and I, when she does kick into strength mode, when she's squaring yeah. off with the dad, and when she's being the mom to Joe, that was where... The actress won me over, and I went, "Oh, okay. She mm-hmm. is she is stronger than you at first think she is." Yeah, and they maybe could have written her to be a little bit pushier, a little right. bit more. As a like, the first time we meet her, she's like, "Hey, everybody, you know, Joe's almost here. Get ready, but but be quiet." As opposed to, it'd be like, "Hey." Keep your hands off the hors d'oeuvre. She's not even here yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, Albert, if you touch that frosting on the cake one more time, (laughs) you know, they could have given her a little more oomph to give us that at the beginning, and then we would have been all set. Yeah. Like, oh, this is Joe's mom. I agree with that. But that's just one of my many notes. So we get a new, a new big uh, information bomb is lobbed at us. And... And Joe says, I can't have you doing that just for me. And the parents say, do you think we're just doing this for you? Yeah. It's like, you don't think that there's some type of a payoff for us? And she says, when you graduate Eastland as valedictorian, Mm -hmm. we're going to be sitting next to parents who make 10 times the money that we do. 20 times. Yeah. he And he he chimes in with 20. But whoa. Joe is valedictorian. That is a new piece of information. Mm. And that's a big fucking deal. And and a good, beautiful, wonderful piece of information that is absolutely possible and consistent with the character. Sure. I am totally loving that. And I loved when they dropped that. So they say, you're going to college makes all three of us big winners. Yeah. So she's like, okay, fine, but there's already a $2,000 deposit due next month. Where is that going to come from? And they're like, uh, mm, uh. And Charlie says, we Mm. got it. We drove up in it. And Joe's like, what? Your 66 Mustang? You're the original owner. You love that car. So I'll be the original seller. Yeah. (laughs) But she says, you mean you put that thing up on blocks when you went to the... uh, away <laughs> which is kind of funny her yeah, trying not to say like when you that. were up the river yeah went to the big house but um i did look it up a 66 mustang if he was the original owner uh the oh. new price the price for a new in 1966 was between 2500 and 2800 dollars so since those are um since those cars hold their value and you know, a six in good shape, a '66 Mustang in '83 would have been considered like a classic car that would have gotten him a handsome price. Sure. So Joe is like, "But you love that car," and he's like, "What?" I and he says, "I knew I was saving it for something important." And they hug, and he says, "Well, it's about time I started to invest in your future." Yeah, that was nice. And Joe says, "What about the rest of the year? And the year after that? And the year after that?" And he says, Ugh. 
You don't take after your mother. You take after your Aunt Evelyn. Ah! Sheboygan! <laughs> and then finally, I'm thinking to myself, we're right here. We are careening towards the final hug and the final... Yeah. We have re- we pretty much... We are at the resolution point. Uh-huh. And then... Mr. and Mrs. Paul near chat. The audience applauds because she comes back in <laughs> and she has sparklers and there's monkeys juggling showgirls and. But there was a part of me going, "Oh yeah, they have to bring Mrs. Garrett in. She's yeah. barely been in the show." Oh yeah, like I literally before she walked in, I was gonna say it's as if they said, "Okay, Charlotte, yeah, um, we gotta. Uh, you're gonna come in. You're gonna do one afternoon and then go home. Yeah." Get the fuck home. It's like we, uh, Charlotte's show. We gotta give her something to do. Yeah. So, um, and during yep. this whole next scene, she's like looking at all of them in this like coy, like, nah, I know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. It's like as if she's like Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream or something. Oh, like yeah. she's all knowing and she knows everything's wrapping up the way as it should and the way that she intended for it to. And I'm like, I don't really see that happening. And you weren't here the whole time in order to know these things. I, I mean, I get it. It's it's a little tropey and it's cutesy. But, like, I'd see her, like, in the back, like, yes, these are the facts of life. <laughs> if we have but offended thee with these <laughs> facts of life. Um, yeah. But the thing is, I, I wasn't mad at it. No, no, Here's my thing it. is that jo- the last time she saw Joe, Joe tore up the envelope. Right. And left. To now see that Joe is there and both of her parents have showed up. Right. That's her way of knowing, oh, this shit's not done yet. Yeah. They are fighting. They're they're on my side, kind of a thing. So um, I, I didn't mind it. That I mean, I get with that. how little she had to it's... do in the episode, she at least had that that she could play. Sure. And again, it's not so much minding, but it's something I certainly noticed that I, I always thought would be like circumstantial as opposed to what she's about. Does that make sense? Like Say I, that again. I, I always figured that it would be something that was more. Oh, like, you know, she does that sometimes. But I feel like every Facts of Life I've ever seen ends with her like, yes. Oh. I Matthew, knew it. Yeah, Matthew complains that she's too perfect. Yeah. That she's too all-seeing, all-knowing, exactly. always to me. That's the thing. And she's we, like Madame Trash Heap and Fraggle Rock. She, <laughs> she knows all. <laughs> but the deal is, um, and, and Matthew's not wrong. We have had a couple of, we did have a couple of instances where she was uh, flawed and we had a sure. couple of opportunities where they could have played it up and they didn't. Sure. But um, yeah, no, that is that is kind of a problem. And that's a problem Charlotte Ray had with playing the role over the course of all these years. Uh, and then really and truly the only button, Mrs. Garrett had been at Langley with Blair. Right. So it was just Blair coming in with Langley stuff and... Uh, super happy and perky. Super happy. Saying and, like, oh, well, you oh, know they It's too only... bad you didn't get into Langley. And yeah. Joe's like, well, I did. Oh, my God. That's, so it's a final kind of get Blair's goat moment that doesn't yeah. really pay off. Well, it's funny because like the whole time she goes, it's so great because I got in here because my other friend didn't get in. And she goes, oh, hey, uh, Blake, can I wear one of your Langley shirts? And she got so many of them. She goes, oh, well, you should wear one that's your school. Well, it is my school. See around campus. And you see her like look up for a second like it's the worst thing. Like, for, for a second. But then she immediately turns around and she's just happy for her. Yeah. Because they can't end it with her being like, oh, great. She's, yeah. like, she's genuinely like, oh, my God, that's so great. But, yeah. like, means it. Yeah, because they are frenemies. Yes. And they're still in each other's corner. And it, turn, and it turns, um, but it turns on a dime because it has to. And, um, and she played it well because of that. But I noticed mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was way too fast for that to be a payoff. Uh, agreed. It was too fast. Yeah. And an interesting moment earlier when Blair tells Joe that she got into Langley before at the beginning of the episode. Right. Uh, they do hug. Joe says congratulations and yeah. they hug. And, and then it's she like, like sniffs her hair a little bit. And, while she's <laughs> <hugging her. laughs> but just I want to point out that shall we remember that uh, three weeks ago, Joe punched Blair in the jaw. Oh, yeah. For questioning uh, her faith. <laughs> uh, but, you know, bygones. Yeah. Big you know. bygones. Sometimes you punch people you want to make out with. Yeah. So do you have any other things? I've got my final notes I want to give to the No, to nothing the really. I mean, I kind of just felt that it was a... Um, I It ended, and I told you, I felt like I didn't really watch The Facts of Life. I watched this episode about Joe and her family, and I, I was looking forward to more hijinks and the, you know... Did just hijinks at the school with the girls and, the, and Charlotte yeah. Ray, and so... Um, 
you know, uh, yeah. that, this that's... was almost one of those backdoor pilot disappointment shows. Yeah, really. So, uh, and it, and it wasn't even like so bad. It was good, or it wasn't even like bad. It was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I liked it because it was fleshing out Joe's family. Yeah, I think and, that. It, yeah, and Sorry. I think that the idea that Joe is in this environment that is not her roots right and that finances are always a problem i think reiterating that is important for us to know yeah you know yeah i know i I agree so here are my little notes here are my little tweaks to the script that i will be suggesting to the writers once i uh purchase my time machine right uh the whole thing of i can't afford to go to langley i can't afford it it costs what does it cost? Fourteen thousand dollars a year. It's like six and six thousand. Whenever, like, with the was the, scholarship. Was the, the the debt that would still be yeah there. It's like number one, there is such a thing as student loans. You can pay off later, right? And number two, why did nobody say they they were making college to be this all or nothing package? Yeah. It's like if you know what we'll we'll get the money. If we don't have the money, you may have to take a semester off. Yeah, it's or, not like high school. You or, can do that. You know, you go to a different one. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, that being said, I didn't go to college. Uh, I went to junior college for two semesters, junior college, mm-hmm. and um, and barely did anything there. I did western. <laughs> I only did it because there was a there was a theater department, and I wanted to do the shows. Yeah. So, um, and they said that if I took some classes, then I could be in the shows. And I went, well, okay. Yeah. So I took I took Western Civ, music appreciation, uh, PE, uh, you know, things like that, and. Um, and now you're a young, struggling actor without a pot to piss in, <laughs> yes. but you don't have student debt on top of you that. You know, that's what I like about it, though. Yeah. And I'm still doing what I like, and I do pretty well sometimes, and then I don't. But at the same time, um, I don't have all these student loans. No. Um, especially back then, even when I was a kid, it was like more important, you have to go to college. you got to go or you have no future. Yeah, like, there was always that when I was a kid, and like hearing that from uh, my parents growing up. Um, my my parents didn't really think that so much, but like just hearing that, yeah, around, and um, and you can see that in this where it's like you got in, you you're gonna go, we're gonna yeah, figure you it have out to go, you know. But there is a sense that she's the smart one in the family, and sure. clearly she's valedictorian, absolutely. But I was the same way. Like I went to college because it was just the next thing to do. Right. Like, I didn't, it was not that I wanted it. I actually didn't like school much at all. I hated it, too. But my thing was, now we can look back in hindsight and, you know, you have to go to college. You have to go there. That's not true. You don't have to go to college. But you have to know your path to know whether it is a college thing or a non-college thing. And you're 18. Yeah. Who the fuck knows anything at 18? I'm just not going to go to college. I'll get a job. That's it. Done. I'm like, no, you can. Yeah. yeah. Here's the deal. Okay. Do it. Take a year off. You get accepted at Langley. You can, you can ask if it can be deferred a year. That's a thing. Colleges allow, Mm -hmm. I believe, at least in the stone age when I was in college. (laughs) They did. Now, here's another couple things. Uh, pointing out the fact that the mother, these are so nitpicky, which is good. <laughs> that means I like the show. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing of, Mom, you had to struggle and struggle and struggle to pay for Eastland, and this is more expensive. The dad could have stepped up and said, Hey, Joe, I'm set now. I've got steady work. You know, I've been only out of prison for a couple of years, and I had the toughest time landing and keeping a job. Well, I've got this now, and I'm more financially secure. I just got a raise. Yeah. I will be contributing. Your mother, yes, your mother bore that burden all by herself, but I'm here to step up to the plate too, so I want to help. That would have been a nice little extra thing to say. This is a possibility. It's not completely off the table. And then two other things. Joe saying, I'm not going. I'm not going. The whole thing of... uh, her acting like she said she was fine with it. I'm not going to go. Yeah. I think it would have been nice to have her say, I don't want to go. And have her say, and reiterate, I don't want to go. And then say, um, when you thought your mother's $900 was $5,000, mm-hmm. you were excited and happy. Right. And then when you found out that it was $990, you were disappointed. 
we're your parents. You cannot lie to us. Yeah. You want to do this. Please let us make it happen for you. Yeah. That could have been a little moment. And last but not least, wouldn't it have been neat if Joe said, wait a minute, you guys drove up here together? You sat in the same car for an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, that is how important this is. Yeah. I thought about that too. Because I was like, oh, they're divorced. And they obviously, like, because they, they fight, you mm-hmm. know, in that one scene. And you're like, oh, they're obviously not buddies. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, they drove up there. I thought they would. I, I learned the same. I thought they would say something and they didn't. Yeah. And so those are just my little tweaks that I thought could have even punch it up better but that wasn't me fixing broken things that was me enhancing things that were already there right and uh really and truly i didn't mind this spoiler alert you want to know what happens down the road yeah charlie and rose look like they might reconcile oh and there's an episode in season i think it's next season season five where joe almost regresses to being like a a teenager where she's like Basically like, my mommy and daddy are getting back together again and we're all going to be happy and go to the fair and buy lollipops and eat cotton candy. Like, oh. Joe gets into this deluded state. I, I'm not looking forward to the episode because I feel like it's kind of like, oh, Joe is so practical and realistic. Yeah. And that is such a pipe dream thing. Most people, it's like my parents who divorced and I watched the divorce are looking at getting back together, most people be it's like, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have personal experience there, but sure. I know people who do. Sure. Uh, but there we are at the end of another episode, Wesley. Look at that. Wow. I, ha- I helped. I did the thing. I was here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shake and bake. Shake and, and bake, I baby. Helped. And I helped. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know that commercial? Uh, yeah. Is that too too old for you? No, I remember that. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it was on Nickelodeon when I was watching it, but oh. I, know, I know it. <laughs> it was one of those retro commercials that old people yeah. like David watched. Right, I watched it on YouTube, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you, name a classic commercial from your childhood. I forget what you one. did last time, but that's I'll, I'll put up the Shake and Bake um, one. Yeah, I, I like that one, but also, uh, let me... Th- I was thinking recently about um, my buddy... My buddy. The boy doll? Yeah, the big, the, my buddy what? and me. Yeah. yeah, you remember that? I yeah. Had, I had a my buddy, but you it was too. a hand-me-down. Because <laughs> I, I, I was born in 93. Uh-huh. And um, all my cousins were born in like the 80s and stuff. And my um, my brother, I think my brother had it. I think it was a hand-me-down to him, too. So by the time I got it, my buddy had seen some better days. <laughs> it was their buddy. It was their buddy. He had and been... Handed around like a two-dollar whore. You know, like whenever you go to like a museum and they go, so you see, the reason that the the sculpture is black is because oh. the oils on people's fingers who touch it. That yeah. was my buddy. Yeah, yeah. It was the Sphinx eroded by the desert winds and right. the sand. <laughs> I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna post it on the website. Okay. Indeed. That's so. Funny. As we leave, uh, we are still. We we need to wash our hands. We've just podcasted, and I think. Most uh, experts recommend that we wash our hands And I've been now. touching myself this whole time. And so. Uh, I was not complaining. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I noticed that, and uh, I was only a little disturbed. Sometimes I use my foot. <laughs> um, that's not your crotch. Your foot is. Oh. <laughs> yeah. On that note, smooches and goodbye. It's gooey. <laughs> There you have it. That was Wesley Slade. I have nothing to add. I said everything I wanted to say and then some. Next week, I'm going to be watching season four, episode 22, Take My Finals, Please. This is one of my all-time favorite episodes, and I'm thrilled that joining me for that episode is going to be Ken Reed from TV Guidance Counselor. It's uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I hope you tune back in. Thank you, as always, for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. 
My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle FaceTheFactsPod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash FaceTheFactsPod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. Let's Face the Facts.